0: Hey, my name is Christian Guyton and I'm obsessed with all things business, branding, personal development, and helping you step out of your comfort zone to rewrite the narrative of your life. I'm a taco-loving single mama with two kids and one has special needs, and I'm on a mission to create the business and life of my dreams with just my laptop and a $600 camera that I want off eBay. I teach and share actionable tips for you to up-level in all areas of your life, create positive impacts, and build success. When everything around you says what you're doing is wrong or stupid, but you have a vision for something better, tune in here every week for that extra motivation to keep going. This is the Moxie Stride Podcast. friends if this is your first time joining us on the moxie stride podcast my name is christian guyton i am a brand designer and photographer for purpose-driven entrepreneurs and online businesses helping them to create authentic brands that exude confidence and maximizes their impact here we dive into what it really means to chase your dreams in the face of adversity while also giving you the tools to navigate your entrepreneurial journey Today, we are gonna be chatting with a good friend of mine who happens to also be a lawyer, a husband, father, and all around upstanding guy. As we chat about the various nuances of setting up your business legally, I must include this disclaimer that any information you gather in this episode is strictly for education purposes only. None of this is legal advice. Uh, Please consult a lawyer in your state for specific questions that you may have. Antonio is a lawyer, but he is not your lawyer. So unless, of course, you sign a contract with him. With that being said, welcome, Antonio, to the Moxie Stride. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Christian, for inviting me and happy to be here and uh, share some of this good uh, legal knowledge with your, with your audience.
0: Absolutely. So to get us started, tell us a little bit mm-hmm. about
1: you. Um. Well, for myself, I think what most people want to know. I'm originally from D.C., Washington D.C., where I am now. I'm actually in Boston for a couple of weeks. Uh, I grew up here uh, most of my life. Went to the University of Maryland. Uh, ended up going to, you know, getting fortunate and going to law school, University of Dayton. And then I finished up at the University of Baltimore, uh, and that's where I got my law degree. Um, I worked in various industries. Yeah, my background and focus was more always business and contracts uh, and estate planning related. Um, uh, I get a chance to, you know, work with a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and CEOs and business owners. That's how I cut my teeth a little bit, and I kind of got my my stripes from uh, the other recession, the 2008 recession, uh, the housing financial recession, Uh, and I learned a lot then. That's really helping me to, you know, float and stay above and hope entrep- entrepreneurs now during this, you know, financial crisis and pandemic, so um, I'm a fun-loving guy, like you said, I'm a husband and a dad we know each other from great leadership uh, you know, I love to, like, go out, I mean it's been a good time because we're able to go out and like kayak and bike and uh, training for sprint triathlon. So, oh, those are some of the good things. Mm. And, um, yeah. And getting, you know, my daughter, she's uh, remote learning too. So, going through those are, are pretty good. So, uh, I'm just your average neighborhood friendly attorney that everyone kind of needs that having their Rolodex at some point in their life. So, that's what I like to kind of refer myself to. I
0: love it. So what drew you to becoming a lawyer?
1: Uh, Initially, it was, uh, you know, I grew up in D.C. during, you know, a tough time era. And it was similar to now, where there was a lot of police harassment of young youth kind of growing up. And, uh, you know, you just get tired of it. Uh, And the juvenile justice system is really hard for youth, especially African-American males. You want to kind of help lead them in a good way. Uh, and growing up in D.C., it was, a, you know, just a tough environment. And, you know, I always wanted to be, you know, I always thought I would be a litigator. You know, I was good at debating and really like, oh, I can, you know, be smart and I'll think people. Uh, and some of those things kind of spurred me to, to go, go to law school. Um, and I thought it was a really good opportunity. But when I got to law school, I found that it wasn't the litigation, it was more the business side that I was much more interested in. I had changed uh, kind of my thought process on you know, what are the things that I wanted to do. When I got out of law school, those were the things that I kind of, I got put into that position, but then it kind of like, it helped me uh, join some of my desires and what I was good at, with the atmosphere that I was around and the working arena. So. Uh, you know, pushing me to law school, that was the thing that really spurred me, was just a deep desire to make change and to help people was like paramount. I always wanted to be able to help people, um, you know, whatever they were trying to do legally. I never, I knew when I was growing up, I I didn't know any attorneys. So, uh, to be able to, (laughs) I don't know about you, but, you know, to know an attorney was like, oh, wow, like he's a lawyer. And so, uh, and people to this day still are like very impressed, you know, when people who are attorneys and they really need to, you know, it's great when they get to know one. So I'm happy I'm able to fill in the gap for people who really, you know, need an attorney and want somebody to talk to.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. What was, so first, before I go into that question, okay. I don't know if I ever shared this with you, but when I was younger, I wanted to be a lawyer. and. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so funny. Um, I don't know that maybe that's why I'm so fascinated and like wanted to have this conversation with you because Mm -hmm. that was something I thought for sure that I was going to do and Mm -hmm. like own my own law firm and like all the things. And then eventually it just, I don't know, my mind kind of went a different (laughs) route and I got into all the creative stuff and really Mm -hmm. that started to develop. And so, I don't know, I still really love law, and so that's why I'm excited to really have this conversation today. But, like, what was, the, what was the inspiration for you having your own practice versus joining, like, a firm?
1: Um, Well, <laughs> it was a little double, double-edged. double um, When I graduated in 08, like, there were no jobs available, and uh, going to a firm was something that I would have loved to do personally. It just didn't work out that way. Um, you had a lot of law firms that were in business maybe fifty, hundred years that were folding. You had a lot of law firms merging, uh, and so the, and they wanted the top of the top. They wanted so at that point it was like unless you're going to top twenty five, you know Harvard, Berkeley, those kind of schools. Especially being in Washington D.C., where it's a very competitive market. There are more lawyers in Washington D.C. per capita than. Anywhere else in the world. So we um, you just have a, a lot, a lot of attorneys there. Um, but I still had a great sales skill set and I still really wanted to learn my craft. And working with the executives at the industry I work with, it got me to understand, you know what, if I can make a hundred thousand working at a firm, but I can make a hundred thousand working for myself, it's still a hundred thousand at the end of the day. And so uh, you know, I hadn't started to learn how. Okay, it, I need to figure out ways that uh, you know I can step up and still be serviceable to people. Who still have you know knowledge and education. Uh, you know, the one thing maybe working at a firm is that uh, you do a little bit more uh, case case law than what you would do. Where in my line of work, I'm working with the client, helping them understand, you know, the gaps that they need to fill and helping them. So um, and and one thing was really funny. I met this older attorney during the recession time and he told me he was like, whatever you do, you know, make sure you keep your firm open. Make sure you keep your practice growing, even if you're not, you know full-time in it or, you know, 100%, or I I should say just, you know, you're solely dependent on your firm income. He was like, because during a recession like this, a lot of people will lose their jobs. And if they don't have that entrepreneurial spirit, or they don't know how to go out and market, they don't know how to enroll clients, they haven't done this type of thing before, they don't have a presence outside of their firm, It'll be tough for them to get some traction uh, if they were ever to get, you know, laid off and, you know, be able to survive. So I took that note and I went with it. And despite, you know, having jobs and working, I even relocated from the D.C., Maryland area here to, uh, to Texas. And I took the bar there so I could be barred because I always wanted to be able to have, you know, something that I can have on my own where I can always carry this with me. I didn't need to be with a firm in order to say, hey, this identifies me as an attorney. No, I'm an attorney, and I can go out and get clients. Uh, And I've gotten better at going out and getting clients because you want to generate cash. I think that's what we all want. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like if you have to wait for someone to give you money, then, you know, what are you kind of really, what are you really doing? Uh, if you can go out here and generate cash, you know, even for yourself, even if you are working, then it's just, it's just more cash and you have better cash flow uh, and you have more to offer to people. So uh, that, those words of advice helped in 2008 and it's coming to fruition now because even during this pandemic, I'm helping clients really navigate through. On, you know their taxes because that's a part of my business too mm-hmm. uh, doing tax returns and helping folks like understand the tax uh, consequences helping them with their you know get PPP loans and things like that so uh, one thing is just self-development too you know that's, oh, yeah uh, key piece so
0: yeah how did the self-development kind of play a role in how you're navigating you know your business and this <laughs> pandemic and all of that
1: well that's I mean, without the leadership piece, um, I, I, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be so upbeat and lively during this pandemic. Um, you know, in some ways the pandemic actually helped, you know, that wave come a little faster for me to really break through on some things. Uh, it helped me slow down and really get an opportunity to, you know, use all the pieces that I had to kind of come together. Uh, and so leadership is key, you know, uh, Most people, as you know, they're, you know, I think they attribute success or maybe I don't want to use the word failure, but success and non-success with external factors. But a lot of it is internal. Uh, And if you work on that self-development and you identify where you're weak at and you fill the gap, if you're weak at drafting or writing, get someone to help you with that. Uh, Those are the kind of things that people have to learn where it's like, I'm not good at social media. So I call you, you know, it's like, I'm not good with tech, you know, that's just not my forte. And, um, you know, if I spend two, two or three hours being frustrated, uh, cause I'm trying to send out one email thingy that, you know, it's like, well, who, who does that serve? Cause then I'm not going to want to do it again. Uh, and i it hurts your business. So I think people identify during this time during the pandemic, you know, you see these memes go around and it's saying, um, you know, if you don't have a side hustle or you haven't read, you know, Master a New Language or if you haven't done something <laughs> during this pandemic, you know, you've been wasting time. What have you been doing? Yeah. And um and in some respects I agree with that. Of course everybody's circumstances are different, but I do get the point of you know, during this time you should hopefully be able to, you know, use this to really Go in that self-development and really try to reevaluate how you can make an impact, especially as an entrepreneur, as a disruptor, like where can you fill the gap? So yeah, uh, those are things that are important. And you need to have a good team and you know yourself to really kind of capitalize on that.
0: I love it. That's so true too. <laughs> like um during this pandemic, like learning different skills, even if it's just learning something about yourself, like you said, if you don't have a certain skill set or a weakness, like either you learn it so that you can get better or you outsource it because that's like yeah. being smart. Like why waste your time on something we you can just pay somebody else who knows how to do it and can get it done quickly. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really smart as an entrepreneur. That's a really smart business move um, to really evaluate yourself during this time and just, really anytime just always having those check-ins like you know this is i'm at a stage in my life where i'm ready to pivot or i'm ready to grow and Mm -hmm. it's like okay what needs to be fixed or changed Mm -hmm. or outsourced you know all of those yeah
1: it's so key because i really think my business i was able to make a good flux of cash in this first six months because i made a decision to move some of my drafting of certain documents and outsource it, and I had never like done that before, uh, and that hesitancy I think caused me. Mm, excuse me, to enroll clients because I thought I was I didn't stay in the step of enrollment. I was already at the step of drafting, and that bogged me down. And I would just be like, okay, I didn't bother. But I took that piece out, and lo and behold, boom, 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 boom. You know the clients just started coming uh, for for you know certain you know documents and tasks uh, and i got a law clerk that helped me manage you know other tasks that i didn't always have time to get to uh and when you see it it lets you be less stressful and you can really focus on the things that you need to really focus on the things that you enjoy i enjoy talking to my clients and getting them the aha moment where they're like oh Thank you so much. Like I never even, you know, thought of that. And I get them into a good path uh, in their business and help them with their contracts. And so that's what I really enjoy uh, going from there. So
0: I love that you brought that up. Like outsourcing that one piece allowed you to connect deeper with your clients. Mm -hmm. That is Mm -hmm. so key. That is so key. Some people miss that because they feel like they're saving time or saving money or Mm -hmm. mostly saving money to do everything on their own. And it's like, if you just outsource the things that you don't have to do, like somebody else can do that. Do the Mm -hmm. things that your business requires of you so that you can connect with your clients, so you can make more money. Like that's the part that you absolutely need your hands on.
1: Yes. And when I talk to, you know, clients and business startups, it's like, what do you excel at? So like you personally, Christian, what would you say would be this is what I excel at? Like, you got one thing that you just like, boom, I know this thing and I work hard to excel at it. What would that be for, for you?
0: For me, uh, I would say that I excel at um, really connecting everything and put, bringing it all together and doing the design pieces and the photography. Like, that's what I love doing. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I'm also really good at it. So, in some respects, it's kind of like systems. And just kind of bringing all of those systems together, which I think is why I'm really good at tech too. (laughs) Um, It's just, I look at everything compartmentally and then I bring them all together and create like the big picture. And so um, kind of pulling that techiness and pulling that creativity and pulling it all together as a brand designer is like what I'm really good at. So,
1: So for me, yeah, it's definitely like working with the client and getting them to see you know, what's possible and getting them to kind of think in a different path and, you know, and get it going for them. I'm a motivator too. So if you're motivated and good, let's take it off the phone because then they're like, yeah, you know, you get a burst of energy after you talk because I play more of a consultant role as opposed to just, a, you know, I think when people hear attorneys, let me just, with your audience, let me share this. An attorney for the most part is someone who helps people cover their ads. That's what an attorney does. They really try to minimize your risk. They try to help you be aware of the pitfalls and things like that. That's what an attorney does. A person who has an MBA is business minded. They're thinking creatively, they're thinking about growth, they're thinking about making money. And so they're gonna push you. And they're all about promotion and like let's drive and make money and you know, things as, you know, contracts or These kind of things they put, you know, to the side because their vision is like, let's grow to from one million to five million to ten million, and that's a part of their job. That's what they're tasked with. So, uh, but as an attorney, it's more of so I'm a blend. I'm kind of a blend of them too because I my upbringing where I cut my teeth was more entrepreneurial. So it's like, okay, let's figure out how you're gonna make money, but let's also figure out how to minimize your risk. when we do that and uh, so that's a good piece of you know advice to share with uh with the audience you know you got to have a little bit of splice of both so don't yeah. be, and that doesn't mean fear fear is a totally different component you know you can talk about that at another time with Letting fear go
0: yeah so as we're talking about the um businesses and entrepreneurs and figuring out you know, mm-hmm. what type of lawyer? Let's go ahead and kind of slide into like, what are the differences between the different bin- business entities for um, setting up your business?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. So this is a common question that I always get. Uh, most people know you can just go out and start a business. You can, let's right. say, you know, the lemonade stand model. You go out, get lemonade, uh, and that's just a sole proprietor. That means that person is just business for themselves. Or if you and I go in business, we're a partnership. Mm-hmm. So I don't think if you ever watched the, what is it? The Social Network, the movie about Facebook. So the movie about Facebook was that even though they never signed any documents, they were partners because they put themselves out as partners. Mm-hmm. And he invested money in the servers and getting Facebook all set up. And that's why when they had a split, he was able to get uh, you know a fair amount of money. Because they were partners at this whole time, even though they tried to write about later. And so understanding how these things work, because sometimes I get people who come and they're like, well, I haven't invested in money. But I've been doing a lot of work for this, you know, my brother and I or my cousin or whomever. And it's like, no, you guys are partners. This is a partnership. You're, you have right to 50-50, just like he would. So, you know, for the, those who are sitting out there, if someone's like, well, you're not a partner, you're not a part of the business. like, uh, yeah, we don't have anything in writing. I've been investing all this money and time into it. We're a partnership. And that's where we're holding ourselves. So those are those entities you can always just have and set up. You'll pay your taxes as you normally do as the revenue comes in but you when you want to get into more structure then you have the limited liability company which is the main uh, entity and the limited liability company is actually only recognized by states. Each state has their own like statute on what a limited liability is. The federal uh, IR, like a limited liability isn't really cons- uh, identified by the IRS. So when people go there, there's nothing to really say. Uh, I'm filing my return as an LLC, so uh, that as a tax designation. But what the LLC stands for is limited liability company, and it helps keep your liability down. It helps you want to go out and set up a business uh, and start to operate a business without the fear of losing a shirt off your back. And that's what the that's really what the liability was for. Uh, back in the older days, you know, if you had a company, someone came to sue you, you would literally literally lose the shirt off your back if you got sued and you owed them money. And and it was very prohibitive for people wanting to venture out and start businesses and, and, and endeavors, which helps spurn, you know, growth in the country. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's a part of it. And so that limited liability helps you protect your personal assets. Um, And then really the other organization is a corporation. Corporation is a C Corp. It's usually designed for bigger companies, of course, that they're gonna go public. They're looking to get a lot of outside funding uh, and they're gonna have a lot of stocks or shareholders that they they also have limited liability protection. Uh, for their officers or people working in the company, as long as it's not something negligent uh, that they've done. But again, a lot of the the main purposes of these two, or these entities, are to protect your personal assets and keep them separate from your corporate uh, assets uh, to protect you and hope you have some peace of mind. And If this business folds or goes under, i can still have my house i can still have uh, the shirt on my back to go off of and and move forward from there so you have some other entities that i'll touch on really briefly Uh, a lot of law firms do limited partnerships uh which is somewhat similar to a limited liability company uh, but it helps uh, like if you're a canadian or something like that you can't have a, a can't join certain entities, then you may do a limited partnership. A lot of law firms do that as well, where they're able to have a general partner who is responsible, who is still open to to lawsuits and litigation, and then someone like myself who would be a limited partner under them, where my risk of exposure is only limited to how much I put into the company. Uh, how much I'm exposed to so uh, you have a LLP you also have a professional limited liability company which some law firm maybe a dental practice or something or an accounting firm would use those and those are called professional limited liability companies uh, and so those are the major ones uh, you know that most people will see you opt know, for uh, one thing I do want to talk about is the S Corp okay uh, S Corp well, <laughs> okay. to that later.
0: Before Before we dive into that, I just want to make sure that people are following along. So we've talked about sole proprietorship, which is just yes. like having like your lemonade stand. Right. That's yes. the example yeah. we're using. Mm-hmm. And then there's the LLC. Right. And that would be what's a good example for
1: people. Yeah. To so connect? let's go back before we get to the LLC. It's the sole proprietorship and then the uh, partnership. Partnership. Okay. Partnership. So that's you and someone else. So the limited liability company would be pretty much your garden variety store. Like, you know, uh, what's a good, well, let's see. Maybe um, what's a company where you buy T-shirts from? Uh, Maybe a little small coffee shop. 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 Uh, Yeah, Uh, Uh, yeah. A a mom, like, a more of an independent business. Right. So we're, at, we're so used to the corporations like maybe Rite Aid or uh, Starbucks. Those are corporations. Those are bigger companies that are publicly traded. But an LLC, for the most part, is that small business owner. Mm-hmm. So a small business would be, you know, you go down the street. And some restaurant is more than likely an LLC. Uh, so you go to a, a single independently owned restaurant. You know, let's call it Bagels and Company, the bagel shop. Down the street, the lady says, you know what? I want to open up a bagel store. She's going to go get a limited liability company. And her store now is called Bagel Shop LLC. Uh, And that's her business. She injects some money into it um, and then operates from there. I'm an LLC. AMG Council is an LLC. Uh, Most of my clients, I always refer them to do an LLC. An LLC is... It's very efficient, there's not a lot of formalities. With a corporation, we've got bylaws, we have to do, uh, you know, uh, semi-annual minutes and updates between board, uh, so there are more, more formality. More people are using them because they want to be able to, you know, get more of the tax advantages. But in the LLC, LLC, there's some tax advantages too. I guess we'll talk about those later. But the LLC is pretty much your, your general average business. And it's set up for people who want to have Liability, protection. Right. Um, so let's say, and people use them in real estate. So a person, one way that a person uses it is, um, let's say you, you want to buy a rental property. And if you purchase a rental property and that property is in your name, your tenant goes, it gets snowy or icy out. He slips and falls. Who's he going to sue? gonna sue you. You're the owner, you're the owner. So he's gonna sue you or the neighbor or whomever. If something happens on that property, guess who's on the hook? You are as the owner and you're personally liable. So what what you know protection you have. So let's say you put that property in your limited liability company. So now in this property rental company LLC, something happens to the tenant or whomever now who are they going to sue they're going to sue the llc mm-hmm. and now you have some personal protection from that rental property and you'll see that as a lot and we can talk about that later uh in more detail if they want to know but this is what a lot of rental property owners do to keep it separate and to start to establish business credit and i think that's something that people really need to work on is why showing income for their business and also to having business credit. And those are the ways that you can do that by having an LLC. It's really hard to get business credit if you're a sole proprietor or, uh, or in a partnership. And you need that credit if you want to expand your business. Mm. That's really
0: important. That's a key thing to note here. <laughs> yeah, so
1: most people don't think of that. Yeah, they always want to show a loss because they don't want to pay taxes, and I'm always against that. Like, mm. You know, maybe the first year. If you really took a loss, but I'm doing, I'm thinking if you really want to grow and expand your business and make it profitable, you don't want to always show a loss because that means that, you know, at some point the IRS is going to come and say, "This isn't a business, this is a hobby, and we got to shut it down." So, yeah. you know, and then go from there. So, you know, it's good. So that you know, make, you know, make progress.
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay, so how does? I think we touched on this a little bit. Liability protection weighing in on making a decision to choose which business entity so mm-hmm. you you touched on like sole proprietorship there's not like anybody can be a sole proprietor Correct. but you don't really have any liability protection <laughs> at all so yeah. let's talk a little bit about like what is the, the i guess the basics of make making that decision what are we looking at
1: so the basis of that is really simple i mean I think sometimes people make it more complicated because again, our our first initial part of our conversation where they start thinking, let me save a bug. You know, let me save a bug or I don't know how to do this. I'm coming, maybe sometimes coming from a place of fear uh, and just not knowing and hesitancy. But really it comes down to getting it, getting the LLC. Or establishing the business now the difference between an LLC and a corporation yes that's a conversation because that's uh, some of that is about taxes and let's say if you do establish an LLC limited liability company your tax designation can be an S corp. that's another tax decision that you really have to make going from there I never really see any reason not to do a limited liability company unless you're that really unless let's say you make you know maybe you're just making jewelry for people and you know it's just a little fun thing you have a little jewelry sale every now and then right and you live in california if you live in california it's an 800 hundred dollar annual fee to have a limited liability company so yeah so so that's the one time where you would be like uh, let's say you you know i know people who would cook and make you know, these great home-cooked meals for people and sell them. It's like, yeah, you don't do that often, but you're so exposed to litigation <laughs> if somebody got sick from your food, you really need to have an LLC. So, but conversely, for someone who's maybe, you know, maybe they're selling, you know, again, like little necklaces or bracelets, nobody's really looking to be litigious in that situation. You, they call it in an order and you send it out. So people may be like on Etsy, you have all these people who are selling on Etsy. Maybe they don't need to have a limited liability company because they're just making one or two like custom products for people, and they send it off. So they just need a good contract. So in those situations, you may not need an LLC because uh, you're not generating that much cash. you just you you do just kind of have a hobby a little bit in uh, doing it from there. But if you're starting to earn, or you know. You know, even in the beginning, you may not be earning a lot just yet, but your vision for it to grow, then you do want to have that conversational, hey, where are the gaps? Where can I get sued? And it's things that you don't even, you know, think about. Uh, and again, you want to protect yourself and your family. Like, if, you're, if your spouse is working and you guys got money in the bank, that money is exposed if you're a sole proprietor, just so people know. If you get sued and they get a judgment against you, they find that bank account, guess what? They're coming in for all of it. So not only is your money exposed, but the money of your spouse and others uh, is exposed as well. And I don't think that's going to leave for a good relationship. <laughs> that's my good. kidding. Suit isn't great pillow talk. So I think uh, you know you want to stay away from that. So um, so that's what kind of goes into it. It's really I'm I'm always like, hey, let's just get you an LLC set up. The fee is minimal. Me setting you up is minimal. It's done, and you can just kind of move on and put other structures in place.
0: Yeah, awesome. So we were going to dive into S
1: corps. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So about that. So, yeah. So S corps is a unique thing because an S corp isn't really an entity in and of itself. You you have an underlying entity, so you have an LLC or you have a corporation or a C corp, uh, and then you can file with the IRS and say, hey, I want to be traded as an S corporation, uh, which is a subchapter like a small business designation that the IRS uses." So as an LLC, if you, as an LLC, all the money you make from that business just flows through on your taxes. It's called pass-through. So when you do your taxes, there's a special section, uh, Schedule C, you put those things in the Schedule C, and that, that shows the money you made from that LLC. But it all it's all under 1040. When you do a sub chapter or S Corp, now you're telling the IRS, hey, I want to kind of separate really separate myself from my S Corp. So your S Corp has its earnings and then you have your earnings. So you take a paycheck. You actually get a W two when you're in S Corp and you start to get paid. And I think that helps people really separate their business income from you know, other income that they have uh, and go from there. And so um, then they can kind of really get into a motion of how can I have retained earnings? How can I keep money? How can I do these other things and go from there? Uh, and in that way, there's like, okay, you have your escort. You know how much you're going to get paid on your W-2. You got these retained earnings. And those retained earnings in that escort they get taxed at a lower rate because you're not paying all these. Uh, you know, uh, self-employment tax and things like that. Uh, you're paying a, a smaller tax rate and it helps you break up, you know, your tax obligations to the IRS. So that's a key important piece of that. Um, and I think S Corp is good. I think most of the time, I, you know, i advise someone to do that if they're starting to make, you know, maybe a hundred thousand or more in their, you know, in their small business uh, to help them save on some cause. Uh and the same for corporation. You know, under the Tax Jobs Cut Act, they did a lot to help corporations. So they lowered the C-Corp rate from 35 to 21, and you can also keep retained earnings. But again, that's a big tax conversation to go over. But it's something very important for folks who are out there starting a business to really see, especially if you have a brick-and-mortar business and you think you're really going to grow to a certain level. And you can always convert. So if it, you know, if 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 your circumstances change, reach out to your attorney and say hey maybe i need to think about converting or talk to your accountant and maybe some good advice on that
0: mm, that's really good i think that was going to be my next question at at what point would it make sense to increase your like liability protection or to increase you know based on like for some people going from sole proprietorship to an llc or partnership to you know the next level kind of thing um, but I think you just answered it, like when you when you feel like you need to convert um, or things change in your yeah. business.
1: When things change, like, yeah, so if you're starting out as a sole proprietor, just to kind of get your stuff going, you know, I'm not opposed to, does it get the ball rolling? Like, just start it. Like, you know, I read, sometimes people are like, no, I want to wait till the business is started before I really start engaging. If you're not in a really litigious situation, then just, you know, talk to someone, get a consult, and then say, hey, let me at least just start my business. Let me get some contracts in order or my payment plan, and just start, and then you'll get it. Once you get that first client and things start going, then you know, hey, now I have the capital to invest and really doing things setting up properly. And if people really know the tax code with the Tax Jobs and Cuts Act, it really benefits you to be an LLC now. You really need to be an LLC. They took away personal exemptions for people who work, so you're not getting those kind of exemptions anymore. And people are transitioning from working to having their own business because they can see they can save so much on taxes and it really benefits them and that's where they're toward. towards. So, I think once they have that conversation and kind of identify these opportunities, they'll be able to do that, especially even if it's your side hustle and you want to start to utilize all the tax breaks that you can get from that. Uh, that's good, you know. You can also loan your LLC money. You kind of take money from one pocket to the other. Uh, and they're just strategies and tips for, you know, uh, helping your, your LLC helping you. Um, I have one client, they're a doctor, but they work, W-2. They make really good money, but because they make so much, they don't qualify for anything, any credits, even child credit, credit. and he's always so frustrated on like, oh my God, I'm paying so much in taxes, and it's like, well, you got the W-2, you work, but for for your new LLC, when you have some of these side projects, we're able to kind of capitalize on that and offset some of your Some of your income will either losses, business losses, and things like that. So, you know, that's a part of it. And then the liability side for him, you know, the LLC, too, covers liability. So some people don't know what an umbrella policy is. Call your insurance agent to the umbrella policy. This helps cover some personal liability that may go above and beyond what you have. Um, Because one thing is, if a person sues you, they're normally going to still sue you and your limited liability company. And so if, you've, if you're running your LLC property, that's what, that's, properly, that's what it's there for to protect you when you get to court and say, hey, that contract was under my business name. And let's flip this around, too. Let me give you another example. This is where a lot of people kind of miss the boat on having a limited liability company. Let's say I go in and I got, you know, some people, they need an office. You go sign the lease or you go buy office furniture who's signing that lease, Mm. you me? Your business or you. Your business or you. (laughs) So most people go in and they're not thinking, when I sign my name, you're personally signing that lease, you're personally signing for that office equipment. And guess what, if your business doesn't work out and you're ready to back out, they're going to say, oh no, you know, Christian, you signed. You didn't sign as CEO of your limited liability company, you signed as yourself. Now you're personally on the hook. So when I set up a business for my clients, I send them a letter and it explicitly shows how they're supposed to sign their documents moving forward to make sure that they put their title and their company name to show that they're a representative of that company and that the company is signing uh, for whatever contract or whatever goods or services it is, the company is signing for that. They're not personally signing for it. And that makes a huge difference when you need to, let's say you need to close the business or there's some, you know, business disruption. You could just back away and say, hey, the business is going to handle that and I'm going to back away. You know, let's say you don't want to work in a company anymore. Maybe you sell your LLC, but if you have all these personally guaranteed, you know, documents and things that also lowers the value of the business because they say, hey, we we can't convert these over to the business. So it's really key in understanding how to sign your name as an officer of the business, LLC or a corporation uh, to really, to move things and how to save yourself from personal, you know, liability or personal guarantees on certain contracts and services. Very, very important. So
0: I just want to kind of, wrap everything together (laughs) nice little box (laughs) because that was so much information but all like really pertinent information and i'm sure we can get into more but um what are the basics i say basic but like what are the steps that people Mm -hmm. need to get their business up and running like legally what what should they do first and you know that kind of thing
1: okay yeah so great question many people come Mm -hmm. and You know, I had a woman call me. She wants to set up an online, like, virtual school. And so, each thing has its own unique kind of. Do you need licenses? Do you need this? But the first thing I would kind of get into the mindset of, you know, what it what your business is, and it's called you know, articles of organization. Let's put that together. You know, you need a registered agent. Somebody, which you can be yourself as the owner of the business. You can be your own registered agent, uh, and you say, "Hey." Let me get the structure set up. So the LLC is the structure. Uh, if you have other members of your LLC, then you may wanna have an operating agreement, which shows you uh, in details out who's responsible for what, how much you know distributions. Each state, again, has their own default statute on how an LLC will be run. So let's say you and I, we start uh, a business. You put in 50,000, I put in five. But and we start an LLC, we're 50-50 partners. And you might say, hey, wait a minute, I put in fifty thousand and you only put in five. The operating agreement will help set that up and say, hey, Christian's supposed to get her fifty thousand uh, back initially of any money we make first, and then as partners we'll start to take distributions after that for the remaining five Does That makes sense. So 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 in the beginning you want to set up an LLC, maybe an operating agreement. If you're going to go a corporation, you would set up bylaws, uh, and a corporation would be, hey, let's say you have a startup in tech, and you think you're going to get uh, like joint uh, like, uh, venture capital funding, or you're looking for other kind of angel investors who are going to come in and put money in your business. Then that kind of conversation will say, hey, let me go and do a corporation. And that's the conversation you have on which one of these structures you're going to go, but to keep things simple, we'll go to LLC route because I think most coaches and folks like that will just be getting an LLC set up. So once you get your LLC, you get your federal tax EIN number. You can get that next. And then that's what will help you open up your bank account. You can Go and get your bank account, got your business account, got some business checks. Most of the time when you go to the bank, if your credit is pretty good, they'll offer you uh, a... Uh, business account credit card and that's what you can get to start to use to you know operate your business to help fund maybe you need QuickBooks maybe you need a new laptop maybe you need some other things uh, and you can use that to build your business credit most of the time it won't show up on your personal credit report it'll show up on your business and now you're starting to establish that so I got one for my new firm that I started and I do a lot of transactions I help people you know when I help set their business up their fees on you know state fees and things like that and I just put it on my business credit card uh, that allows me to help with my cash flow and operations and things like that Uh, and I don't have to worry about it and so once you establish your bank account you start moving forward then what in contracts I think you know I learned a lot on how to use you know automation if you've got recurring payments. Uh, a big thing, too, is um, you know getting paid up front is kind of a more of a legal strategy for people who <laughs> I'm a big proponent of. I'm not going to start any work until you pay this invoice, and then we can move forward from there. Yeah. Uh, and it's in different circumstances. But it also lets you know you have a, a client relationship with that person. Mm-hmm. For me, being an attorney is very important for me to know we have an attorney-client relationship. And I want that, you know, potential client to know that too. So those are kind of the things. So you have a contract. So normally if I send the job form and say, hey, when you sign these documents and you pay this, then we're on board. We're moving forward. If they don't sign and send the payment, then I know you're not my client at this time. And I move on, you know, to other
0: clients. Until they're ready.
1: Me, as a designer, <laughs> yeah.
0: it's like design work takes a lot of work. That's a yeah. lot of time. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. if you don't sign this contract and send a you know, retainers, mm-hmm. I can't start.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, and let me just yeah, I will share this with your audience. Don't be afraid to miss out on a client who's reluctant to at least give you fifty percent mm-hmm. of what your maybe what your contract is. You know, I know we have some, some coaches who have year long contracts that they pay, you know, the person can pay monthly, but they should be willing to sign your contract and at least pay that deposit fee down if they're going to move forward so uh you can't miss out on money that you never had so don't think oh i'm gonna miss out on money Well they haven't given you any money and you know the likelihood of you getting it after you you know put in a lot of work you know sometimes it's tough and then they want to negotiate after you give them all this value and you do all this work don't then they want to negotiate oh well i thought it was worth this or that like no you pay me up front and then we can move forward because then you're always going to be working and it's going to be very hard and you're going to be bitter and resentful so even for sometimes for consulting and things i'm like hey we can insult this is what it's going to be because there's nothing like being prepared for a meeting and they don't show up and so um, so to the audience please 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 you know, be rigorous in that. Uh, one of the things, and, and that's why you want to have it set up. But people also too see you as much more of an authority when you do have a business, when you do have a LLC. It's not just well, yeah, I do this, you know, little side hustle thing. They do want to see. Maybe they want to send you a ten ninety nine or send you a receipt because they need to take that off on their taxes for their business. So that way they can show their business expenses. So you really get into the you know to the formality of it. Um, you know. And and go from there because the tax thing is, you know, is big too. So, um, going back to your question, like, yeah, have those contracts and things set up moving forward. So the next step is, after that, is pretty much probably who's on your team in your business. Mm -hmm. Do you have an accountant, a bookkeeper, an attorney, a board, someone that you can go to as a sounding board to help you, you know, navigate when things come up? Maybe you get stuck and you kind of need to fill the gap in certain areas. Uh, but for the most part, you're always going to need an accountant and an attorney. <laughs> At least to talk over some. Some something is going to come up where you need some advice, and that's where I really like, love to come in, where they're either stuck or they got into a situation, uh, especially in COVID. I had a lot of coaches call me in the aftermath and say, hey, I have this hotel, I have this contract with the hotel because I was planning to do a retreat, but because of COVID, I don't know what to do. They got my deposit money. They got four or $5,000, you know, of my deposit money. I don't know if I can get that back. I don't even know if I can have a good trip. My clients are calling me about funds. What do I do? And so, uh, you know, help, having a good team and resources of people who can help you kind of work through that uh, helps you, you know, move forward. So, you know, I would share that, you know, with the audience. These are some things to kind of have in place and to be able to move forward with.
0: Awesome. I love it. So Antonio has an awesome resource that we're going to link in the show notes to kind of, it talks all about everything that we, we chatted about today and it's the ABCs of business entities so that you all can take that and just kind of have a resource to refer back to as you're getting Mm -hmm. started um, on your business and, like re-listen to this episode because I think it'll be really <laughs> beneficial if you didn't get everything down in one one swoop, like just re-listen to it and like really think about the structure of your business and everything that he's shared with us today. And then if you have questions, of course, reach out to your local, like a local attorney. They can
1: call me too. I can give some consults to people. Awesome. You know, one thing I try to do for entrepreneurs is at least give you that, 15-20 minutes of time you need to help to kind of gather your thoughts if you're not used to talking to an attorney You can't articulate your point and You don't know exactly what you're looking for You know that could that could be tough. It's very intimidating to you sometimes and you know Every attorney isn't like me. So some attorneys will be very costly. They'll They'll, call, they'll charge for everything. So I try to give him a little grace period of like hey this is what you need to do go contact this person Uh, There are certain things I can do, like if you need your business set up, I can set your business up. I can get you incorporated and those kind of things. So those those kind of things can go. But if you do reach out to me, send me, you know, give me a call. I'll be happy to like touch base with them. Um, Awesome.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely leave um, your contact information so that they can reach out. Um, What's the best way for people to reach out at this point?
1: For me right now, it's probably email. I'm on LinkedIn, of course, and you know Facebook, but uh, most of the time, I, there's a lot of word of mouth for me. So they just want to email at, antonio, uh, at uh I do have a website where they can go to as well. It is www.amgcouncil.com. That's my web address. They can go there and like set up an appointment or send it something, but they can email me directly and say, hey, I heard you in the podcast, boop, this is my situation and I can work to give them some feedback because it really helps to get over that fear or inertia that some entrepreneurs had. It's like, let's just get you going. Like, look, I'm here to help entrepreneurs. Um, you know, help people kind of achieve their dreams. You know, if they want their side, or to grow, if they're in a situation. It's like, let's get, you, let's get you moving forward. Like, you know, we can work on some other things. I know I talk about getting paid, but, you know, I'm a supporter. So I love supporting people and helping them. Like, let's get you here. I'll get some things back and we'll move forward and we'll work through it. You know, but it really gets you to get the foot, you know, one foot in front of the other.
0: Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm excited for everyone to really just let us know what they learned. It's going to be awesome. Thanks for tuning in to the Moxie Guide podcast. If you loved this episode as much as I did, Do me a solid and head on over to rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you want to leave a review, trust that your girl definitely appreciates it. Make sure you check out the show notes for all the links and info on our guest this week. You can check it out at themoxystride.com. I can't wait for you to catch the next episode on Wednesday. Until then, ciao.